we can open our Bibles again at that passage of God's Word that we read just a few moments ago, Jeremiah and the chapter 21. And then with God's Word open before us, we'll just come and seek his face in a brief word of prayer. Our gracious God, we thank thee for these wonderful hymns showing us the gospel that saves men from sin. We thank thee, Lord, that the gospel call does indeed go out. And Father, we pray tonight that there would be none who would drift over that deadline. We pray, O God, that tonight that any man or any woman or any young boy or girl who is outside of thee and is hearing thy call, we pray that they would come to thee, that they would not delay, that they would not put off salvation, but, O Lord, we pray that they would come to thee and that they would come to thee this very night. Father, we ask for help in the preaching of the word. We pray for the infilling of thy spirit. We pray for power from on high. We pray that thou wouldst bless the word to each and every heart this evening. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. This evening, I want to take as my text the words of Jeremiah chapter 21 and the verse 8. That verse, it says, And unto this people thou shalt say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. The king of Judah at that time was a man by the name of King Zedekiah. And he was a man who faced a great problem. The Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar, otherwise known as Nebuchadnezzar, they were on the march to the city of Jerusalem. And it was a time of a great crisis in the land of Judah. Any period of time in the history of a nation when there is the threat of invasion or the threat of war is always a fearful and a concerning time, and this was no different. Verse 1 tells us that King Zedekiah had sent men to ask Jeremiah what the Lord would do. He wanted to know if the Lord would again grant Judah a miraculous deliverance. In years gone by, the Lord had protected the city in various ways. And one example is found in Second Kings 19, where we read of the time of the reign of King Hezekiah and how that the Assyrian army had come and they had laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. It looked like a hopeless situation. And King Hezekiah, he brought the matter to the Lord in prayer. He sought the Lord and the Lord sent his angel and destroyed the besieging army. It was a miraculous deliverance. And the Lord protected his people in Jerusalem. The Lord fought for Judah and he defeated the enemy. King Zedekiah thus he wanted to know would there be a similar divine intervention. And he sent for the prophet Jeremiah. He sent for the man of God. The one who was called to preach the word of God. You know there's many they will send for the man of God when they are in times of trouble. Uh, when they are facing a trial, uh, but whenever there is no crisis, they have no interest in what the Lord will say. But often it takes a crisis for people to want to know what the Lord would have to say. 
Jeremiah's response is found in the verses of this chapter that we have read. And we have to say that it was not a pleasant response. It was not perhaps what the king would have wanted to hear. Really the king would have wanted to have been told you've nothing to fear. The Lord will protect the city. But Jeremiah could not say that for that was not the truth. Rather Jeremiah was a man who gave a truthful response. He was a man who would tell the truth no matter what the cost was. You know in the nation of Judah in those days when Jeremiah was alive there were many false prophets who went through the land and if you were to read through the book, you'll find the, re- the occasions where these words are spoken. It is said that they said there was peace, peace, when there was no peace. They would have told a false message and given the people a false message of hope. You know, that reminds us today of those who claim to be ministers of the Lord, yet they preach a message with no gospel. They preach a message and they say that there is nothing to worry about. That God is love and that he would never send anyone to a lost eternity in hell. But yet we know that is not what the scriptures teach. And it is our duty as believers to be truthful and to preach the whole counsel of God. We are to tell people both that God is love but also that he is just. And that he has appointed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. These false prophets, they really, to put it bluntly, they were liars and they were deceivers. But Jeremiah was different. He spoke the truth and he spoke the word of the Lord. The passage shows that very clearly. We see in verse 4, it starts off, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Verse 7, it says, And afterward saith the Lord... And then in our text in verse 8, it says, Thus saith the Lord. Jeremiah did not speak his own little notions. He didn't speak his own ideas. He didn't say what he thought was going to happen to the city of Jerusalem. No, he said what the Lord told him to say. It was a text, and it was a thus and thus saith the Lord message. He was the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message. He told them that the nation would be conquered by the Babylonians. That they would be defeated. And it was a very, very negative message. We could say it was negative. It wasn't positive. Rather, it was a message that would bring fear and worry. Their nation was going to be destroyed. It was going to be defeated. You know, when we look at our text tonight, we see that it is a a message that was applicable to the nation of Judah all those thousands of years ago. You know, tonight it's applicable to us here in Crossgar. It has a most important application. And tonight I want to leave three thoughts with you this evening on the subject of the way of life and the way of death. And firstly, we see the diversity of the ways. Because when we consider these two ways, the way of life and the way of death, common sense and logic tells us that these ways are not the same. They are different. They lead to differing, de- differing destinations. If you were to come to a T-junction in the road, you have to make a decision to go left or to go right. They bring you to differing destinations. You have to take one of the two ways. You must take one of those roads. And we look firstly, we see the way of death. 
And in the context it speaks of the physical death and the destruction imposed both by the pestilence or disease and by the invading army as they would ravage the city of Jerusalem. Verses 5 to 6, we see that the Lord says, And I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm. The Lord himself would fight against Jerusalem. The people would face death. We're told that the weapons of war that they had, that they would be disabled. We see that in verse 4. It says, Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands. And we also see that the Babylonians would be used to do the Lord's work in destroying the city. Verse 10, it says, For I have set my face against this city for evil and not for good, saith the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. The way of death quite simply was to continue in what they were doing. The way of death was to keep trusting in their ability to defend the city and to refuse to heed the message of the Lord. The way of death, however, we have to say tonight, it does not just refer to physical death, but we can also apply this to eternal death. For the way of death, it is not way of destruction. We see here that the way of death in Jeremiah 21, it was the way of physical destruction. The people would be destroyed. They would lose their lives. But when it comes to spiritual matters, the way of death is the way of destruction. And it is a way that leads men and women to a lost eternity in hell. It is a broad road. And there are many who enjoy going down it. They feel that it is easier They feel that it is better, uh, but it is only when they reach the end of the road they realize their grave mistake. The words of Proverbs 14 and the verse 12, they ring so true. Proverbs 14 verse 12, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, there's a way that people think is right. And many people today, they think that the, the way to live life is to enjoy themselves, to have a good time, to engage in all the pleasures and all the sins of the world. But yet, the ways of the world, the ways of sin, whilst they might seem right to a man, they might seem like the thing to do, the end is death, will lead to death. You know, that way of death, it brings us to a destination that is a Christless eternity. It brings us to that place that the Bible calls hell. That place where when we think of Luke 16 and the rich man and how he lifted up his eyes being in torments. That is the destination of the way of death. It's a very solemn matter. But then we contrast that with the way of life. Because you say, well, how is this different to the way of death? Well, quite simply, the way of life is to obey the Lord. It's the way of obedience to God. You know, if those in the city of Jerusalem, if they had heeded the call of the prophet Jeremiah, if they had heeded the message that he proclaimed, they would have had their lives spurred. They would have preserved their physical life when that invasion came. Uh, They would not be killed and be destroyed like those who remained in the city in defiance to the Lord. You know, tonight, if you turn to the Lord, if you turn to him in faith and repentance, you will be spurred eternal punishment. 
You will experience eternal life. You will enter into the splendors of the glory of heaven and that will be your eternal destination. You will hear those words when you depart this or those words that say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But you'll only hear them if you're on the way of life. Are you on the way of life tonight? Have you submitted to the Lord? Have you trusted in him? Or are you still leaning in your own strength? You're like those people in the city of Jerusalem and you're looking at the strong walls. You're looking at the armies and their weapons of war and thinking, we're a strong city. We could stand against the enemy. They were trusting in themselves. But what about you tonight? Are you on the way of death? Or are you on the way of life? We've seen the diversity of the ways. But then secondly, we come this evening to consider the determining of the ways. How do you determine the path that you take? Well, we could really break this into two sections. And we can see firstly that a life of sin puts us on the way of death. It's a scriptural fact that sin or disobedience to God puts us on the way of death. It results in death. We think of Romans 6 verse 23. The wages of sin is death. Is that not what happened at the fall of man? Whenever death entered into the world, we think of how Adam and Eve, they ate of the forbidden fruit, they sinned against God, and they had been told that if they disobeyed the Lord, that they would die. They sinned against the Lord. They sowed the seeds of disobedience, and then they reaped the harvest of that sin, and, and death entered into the world. They reaped what they sowed. You know, those in the city of Jerusalem, they had sinned against the Lord greatly, and thus they were on the way of death. We look at the words of verse 14 of Jeremiah 21. It says, But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, saith the Lord. That word doings, it really refers to acts or endeavors, intentions or works. So they were being punished for their sinful actions, their sinful works, their sinful endeavors, and so on. They were reaping the harvest of their actions. Jeremiah writing in the book of Lamentations in the chapter 1 and the verse 8, he says, Jerusalem hath grievously sinned, therefore she is removed. Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, they had sinned terribly against the Lord, and thus they faced the punishment. Their sin was the cause for the conquest of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army. They were reaping the harvest of their actions. They had sinned from the king right down to the religious leaders and right down to the ordinary people. You say tonight, well, how did they sin? Well, Second Chronicles and the chapter 36 gives us some examples of how they had sinned. It gives us a record of some events of the reign of King Zedekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 36 and in verse 11 we read that Zedekiah was one and twenty years old when he began to reign and reigned eleven years in Jerusalem. Verse 12 is most condemning of him. It says, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He was an evil king. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, some of the sins he engaged in, we see in verse 14, they engaged in idolatry. It says, moreover, all the chief of the priests and the people 
transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord which he had hallowed in Jerusalem. They had corrupted the worship of God. They had set up idols in the temple, in the Lord's house. It's a most serious matter to corrupt the worship of the Lord. We are told in scripture very clearly we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are told to worship him with reverence and holy fear for he is a consuming fire. We are told that we are to worship the Lord in accordance with what he has taught in scripture. Sadly, these Jews in Jerusalem, they were not worshiping God as he had mandated in scripture. No, sadly, there's many today and they think that they can worship the Lord in whatever way they want. They will bring in the drum kit. They'll bring in the disco lights. They'll bring in all sorts of things and say, this is how we worship the Lord. But it goes against the scriptures. It goes against what the Lord has mandated in his word. It's, it is worship that is not reverent. And it is worship that is not in spirit and in truth. Then we also see that there was also the sin of self-righteousness and the sin of pride. And we see that in verse 12 of Second Chronicles 36. Because it says in the second part of the verse, And humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet, speaking from the mouth of the Lord. Even when his sin and his error was pointed out to him by Jeremiah, speaking the Lord's word to him, he would not turn from his sin. He couldn't bring himself to acknowledge, I have got it wrong. And I need to repent. He couldn't humble himself. Even when there was that invasion by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar, he never stopped and thought, I've got this wrong. I need to humble myself before the Lord. I need to confess my sin and repent of it. No. Rather, he trusted in the bulwarks and the armies of Judah. You know, today there's much self-righteousness. There's much pride. We often think that we are right and everybody else is wrong. And when fault is found with us, we're very, very quick to point the finger at someone else and say, well, don't you point the finger at me. So-and-so has done worse. We will not humble ourselves. We will not repent of our sin. We cannot admit that we are wrong. But instead, we dig the trenches and we refuse to budge a single inch. You know, this king, Zedekiah, he refused to acknowledge that he was wrong. He refused to humble himself. He was full of self-righteousness and pride. And he paid the price for it. He reaped what he sowed. He lost his kingdom. And he lost his life. We then see as well another and a final example is their attitude towards the servants of God. We see that in verse 16. It says, but they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people. You know, they mocked and they mistreated the prophets terribly. They had abused the men of God. One example is found in Jeremiah 32 and the verse 2. Speaking of Jeremiah, it says, For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king of Judah's house. He was shut up and locked up for preaching the word of the Lord. And also I think it's Jeremiah 38. Jeremiah 38 and the verse 4. Speaking of Jeremiah... It says, therefore the princess said unto the king, we beseech thee, let this man be put to death. For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city. 
the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. They jailed Jeremiah for preaching the word of the Lord. And there were those who wanted to kill him. They wanted to put him to death. You know, what's your attitude towards the servants of the Lord? Are you one who seeks to mock and mistreat the servant of the Lord? Do you have an attitude where when someone preaches the gospel, that if you had your choice, you would lock them up? These people in in Jerusalem, that was their attitude. They had corrupted the worship of God. They were full of self-righteousness and pride, and they mistreated and they hated the men of God. Thus we have... A summary really of their sins. And we have a summary there of the way of death. People of Jerusalem, they were on the way of death. They were on the way of sin. The way of sin is the way of death. And they were ignoring the Lord. They refused to turn from their sin unto him. Is that the path that you're on tonight? Are you walking slowly down that way of death? You're living a sinful life. It may be that... These sins are not ones that you commit. They may not be your sins, but we know if we read the Bible, there are many other sins. We could go to the Ten Commandments and we could list them. These are just a summary. But are you walking down that path of sin, engaging in it, enjoying it, but you're on the way of death? And the way of death leads to eternal destruction. The way of death would lead to the destruction of these people in the city of Jerusalem. And if you're on the way of death tonight, it will lead to your destruction. Think of the words of James 1, verse 15, where it says that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Prophet Ezekiel, he wrote that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Oh, it's not very pleasant. Then we see that trusting in the Lord puts us on the way of life. Jeremiah 21 and the verse 9, we see that the Lord had put an offer of mercy out to the people when he said, uh, he said, but he that goeth out and falleth to the Chaldeans that besiege you, he shall live. He shall live. These people, they were sinful. They had rebelled against the Lord. They didn't deserve an offer of survival. They didn't deserve mercy. But yet the Lord mercifully granted them a way in which they could be saved, a way in which their lives could be spurred. And rather than die, what would happen is they would be exiled. You know, all they had to do was trust him. The hymn writer penned the words, trust and obey, for there's no other way. You know how true it is. The only way to get onto that way of life is to trust and obey. It is to trust in the Lord. There was no other way of survival for these people in Jerusalem because those who stayed in the city they would die but those who went out and surrendered to the Chaldeans they would be spurred the way of life for the people of Jerusalem was to simply trust the Lord and obey to heed his call they had to have faith in him it wasn't an easy option as they had to surrender to the enemy They had to humble themselves. They had to show that they were not trusting and depending upon their own ability to defend the city. Rather, they had to leave the city and give up the fight. You know, does that not sound so similar to the matter of salvation? 
Because if you trust in the Lord, if you place your faith in him, if you repent of your sin, you too will leave the way of death and you will embark upon the way of life. You know, there was only one way in which this people of the city of Jerusalem could be spurred. They had to go out and surrender. That was the only way. You know, tonight, there's only one way in which your soul can be saved and you can get on this way of life. And it is by turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way. The the chorus goes, if I remember it right, one way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. There's only way you can be saved from your sins is by trusting in Christ, by submitting to the call of the gospel. You know, the Lord has made his offer of mercy to you tonight. He made his offer of mercy to these people in Jerusalem. He's made his offer of mercy to you tonight. He's saying to you, come unto me. If you call on my name, you shall be saved. But what will you do? The way of life is set before you. It was set before these Jews in Jerusalem. It was set before them. The way of life is set before you. But what will you do? Will you go and humble yourself and turn to Christ and get off that way of death and get on to that way of life? Or will you just continue tramping down that way of death that leads to a lost eternity? That place of everlasting punishment. Tonight, what way are you on? Are you living that life of sin that puts you in the way of death? Or are you living that life of obedience to the Lord, trusting in him with your faith in him and in his finished, the Christ's finished work on Calvary that puts you on the way of life? It's a serious matter and I urge you to consider it most carefully. We come thirdly tonight And finally, to consider the decision regarding the ways. As we have examined, we've seen that there is the way of life and the way of death. We see that the Lord shows us two paths. He has set these paths before us and that a choice must be made. Will you choose life or will you choose death? These Jews in Jerusalem, that was the choice they had. And it is the choice that you have tonight. Path of life may be a difficult one. There may be many, many trials. But the path of death, whilst it may be an easy path, it will lead to sure destruction. This decision that you must make, it is a personal choice. Her text that tells us, Behold, I set before you. The people had to choose individually. In the city of Jerusalem, the king couldn't choose for them. The advisors of the king couldn't choose. No, the people had to choose individually themselves. You know, tonight you have a choice regarding the gospel. You have to choose. The church cannot choose for you. The preacher cannot choose. Oh, if we could choose for you, we would. And we would delight to put you on the path of life, to put you on that way of life. But that is not within our power. You must make the choice. It is personal. But it is also an unavoidable choice because you cannot avoid making a choice. Sometimes we say, well, we like to take the middle ground. We like to be neutral. But when it comes to this matter, there is no neutral ground. There is no midway point between the way of life and the way of death. It's, as it were, two absolutes. Often in life, there's matters that are black and white. And then there's other matters that have perhaps what we could call gray areas. 
This matter is not is one that has no grey area. This is one that is black or white. You've got right or wrong. There's no neutral ground. These Jews, they were told that to stay in the city. Just to keep doing what they were doing. And to really, as it were, to make no choice at all. That was to choose to stay on the way of death. To stay in the city equaled death. It equaled destruction. It was an unavoidable choice. You have to, you are on one way or you are on the other. The hymn writer penned the words, What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. What will you do tonight? Will you stay on that way of death? When a man is born into this world, whenever he begins to exist, he is born on that way of death. He is born sinful. The only way he can get off that way of death is by choosing Christ. What will you do tonight? Will you choose to stay on the path of sin? Enjoying the pleasures of the world which last but for a short season? Or will you choose to turn to the Lord, to trust in him, and to take the way of life. It's also an important choice. For when we think here in the city of Jerusalem, these people's lives, they depended upon the choice, upon their choice. If they stayed in the city, they would die, they would lose their life. But if they obeyed the Lord and they heeded his call, they heeded his offer of mercy, their lives would be spurred. That's very important. It was an important choice for them. But likewise, tonight, your eternal destination depends upon your choice. There's no matter in this world more important. Yes, there's things in life that are very important. But there's nothing more important than the eternal destination of your soul. And it depends upon your choice. Because one way leads to destruction. And the other leads to eternal life. And then we see that it is a choice to be made without delay. For there is a limited time in which this choice can be made. We do not know what a day may bring forth. And thus we cannot delay. These Jews, they had been told that judgment was coming. The Babylonians were coming to destroy the city. It wasn't that they could look and say, well, we've been given this choice. Well, maybe in 20 years time we'll obey the Lord. They had a limited time to make their choice. And it was a choice to be made without delay. Their doom was impending. Their judgment was certain. Time was not on their side. We considered this morning about Jonah and how he was going to the city of Nineveh. We mentioned how he preached in Nineveh. And he said that in 40 days the city would be judged. They had 40 days to repent. They didn't have years and years to think about it. They, didn't, they couldn't sit and think, well, maybe when we've enjoyed a life of sin, we'll turn to the Lord. No, they had a short time. Same applies here with these and this people in the city of Jerusalem. They had a short window. They had a short window to turn and trust the Lord and obey him. You know, we too only have a short window to turn to the Lord. The day we die physically is the day when we can say there is no longer any opportunity to turn to the Lord. The deadline for repentance will be passed. And we know from Scripture it says, and it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We only have a short window of a lifespan to turn to the Lord. And we don't know how long our lives will be. We don't know what a day may bring forth. There is a limited time. And it is a choice to be made without delay. You know, tonight you have the opportunity to turn to Christ, 
to take that way of life, to get yourself off the way of death. Will you take that opportunity? Will you place your faith in Christ? Will you repent of your sin? Or will you continue on the way of death? Will you think, well, you know, preacher, I know what you're saying is right. I know I need to be saved. But maybe next week. Maybe in a few months' time. There's a few things I want to do before I give my life to the Lord. But the truth is, it doesn't work like that. We do not know what a day may bring forth. And if the Lord is speaking to you about the matter of salvation, if he's calling you to repentance, if he's convicting you of your sin, do not delay. Do not put it off. Moses, writing in the book of Deuteronomy, he says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, He says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. And it's our prayer that each one here tonight, that you will choose life, that you will choose life and that you will live, not just in in this physical life here on earth, but that you will have eternal life That when your time comes to leave this earth, that you will know that you're going to be with the Lord in heaven. That is the message that we preach. But the only way you can have that life is by turning to Christ. The one who died on the cross. The one who shed his precious blood. The one who took the sinner's place so that men and women could be saved. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this evening. We're just going to close with a word of prayer. Our eternal God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the message of the gospel. We thank thee that the message of the gospel is true. Lord, in the quietness of the meeting, we just contemplate the seriousness of the message of the gospel. It is a message that is not to be taken lightly, for we know that Rejection of the gospel has the most serious of consequences. Father, we pray tonight that thou wouldst not let any leave this meeting without calling upon thy name. We pray, Lord, that if there is one who is burdened or troubled about their soul, that they would make themselves known to us and that we would have the opportunity to show them from Scripture uh, how they can be saved. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst not let them leave. Maybe there's a backslider and they know they need to get right with thee. Father, we ask that thou wouldst speak to them this night. Lord, we thank thee for thy word. We thank thee for the way of life. We thank thee, O God, for those who are on the way of life. But we pray that even tonight that many more would embark upon it and that they would be saved from the way of death and the destruction that it leads to father part us now with thy blessing take us to our homes in safety we pray these things in thy precious name amen